what's going on boys and girls welcome to the first ever episode of the double double my name is ak and i'm here with my good friend and co-host sushi sushi what's good hey what's up boys how's everyone doing so as we all know this is the first ever episode on this podcast big moment big moment Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On this show, we are going to be talking about essentially everything about basketball, whether it's trades, news, stats, and all that good stuff. Basically, if it involves basketball, we're likely going to be on top of it. Of course, of course. We're going to dive into our first ever episode. Yeah, without further ado, let's look at the Eastern Western Conference Player of the Week, Week 5. So from the East, it's Kevin Durant and his Nets. And from the Western Conference, it's Dame Dollar. Damian Lillard. So to break it down, Kevin Durant has been averaging 35 minutes per game. And in those 35 minutes, he's been averaging 31.3 points per game, which is second in the league. Second? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And this is the guy who didn't play at all last year. Yeah, and this is Kevin Durant who's coming off of an Achilles injury. No sort of, no minutes restriction whatsoever. Just diving right in. It truly shows how much effort he put during the, that injured time, that that rehab, and how he's been really, you know, been improving himself and really trying to get his shot back together. Because he was one of the most elite scorers before he got injured and still is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only name like maybe two other people who are elite scorers as, as he is, and that's James Arden and Bradley Beal in the league right now. Oh, other yeah. than that, I think he's he's locked that position in for one of the most elite scorers. He's averaging 7.5 rebounds per game and six assists per game while shooting 60.7% whoa, whoa. from the Six, field. 60.7? Yeah, 60.7%. That's not a typo, that's real. Oh, no, that's real. Yeah, that's, that's real. Bro. That is unimaginable once again someone coming back from an achilles injury and putting up stats like these it's i just can't that's believe mind it blowing. it's, it's mind that he's blowing. one of the best scoring threats this league has ever seen yeah one of the most and, versatile scorers one of the most versatile players and he's proven yeah, it's unbelievable and he's doing it on i mean he did it on the thunder he's mm-hmm. done it in the warriors he's doing it in the nets now it truly shows how you can throw this man in any offense any team and he will succeed it's it's unbelievable and then yeah. now from the western conference it's damian Lillard, aka breakdown what's going on so my guy dame dollar the western conference player of the week so currently he got 28.1 points per game from lillard and that's he's tied for third in the league right now with stephen wow. curry so this week we got two really dynamic scorers as the players of the week um along with that he's shooting at a 53.7 percent clip right now which is pretty good actually that's really good considering that's really good, yeah. the type of shots this man takes like he pulls up from half court pulls up from way further than anybody else and he's still shooting at a 53.7 percent clip that's pretty good then we got 6.7 <clears throat> assists per game so he's currently 11th in the league in regards to assists so he's he's keeping the ball moving he's not just of hogging course, the ball and we also got a nice little 4.7 boards per game. A little extra. You don't expect it from the guard, but if you can get it, it's something nice. You might as well take it, you know? <laughs> I mean, exactly. Of course. And the unfortunate unfortunate news just rolled out of the their shooting guard, their star mm-hmm. shooting guard, CJ McCollum. He unfortunately injured his ankle and his foot area. He's going to be reevaluated in four weeks, AK. Oof. And Yusuf Nurkic, their starting center as well, 
is going to be reevaluated in eight weeks with a fractured wrist. This is just unfortunate for this Portland Trailblazers team because, you know, during the offseason, they were so hyped about signing Robert Covington, getting Derek Jones Jr. on the team, getting back Yusuf Nurkic from that injury that he had, mm-hmm. and CJ McCollum really stepping up to that role. Their team was really looking like a solid playoff team with an eight and six win loss record. But after this news rolled out, I just can't believe what Damian Little is thinking because this team has been playing so well. And for news like this to have come out is very unfortunate to Damian Lillard and his Portland Trailblazers. And AK, what are some stats from CJ McCollum? I mean, how was how he playing compared to last year? I mean, he's been lighting it up this year. Let me, let me just start by saying that. Uh, let me put just some exact numbers so we get a good sense of what we're working with here. But where is it at? He's been scoring prolifically this year. He's got a season high of 44 points per game. All right. Wait, 44 points per game? Yeah. What? He shot 56% from three that game against Houston. Oh my God. And 56% overall, which is wow, incredible shooting. He's averaging a good amount of threes per game. He hit, I'm just seeing this. Nine of 16 threes against Houston that game. Nine of 16. Wow. So this man's just caught fire this year. And he's really trying to prove that, yeah, he's next to Damian Lillard, but he can hold his own. Oh but yeah, most definitely. Now this is, I mean. this injury is a pretty big setback for the near future of this team. And I feel like CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic, they took a lot of that scoring pressure off Damian Lillard because the defense has also had to key in on them. They could put the ball in the basket. Yeah. But and, now um, it's just Damien. So all that pressure is going to be on him. So whether yeah, or not just a can... just a quick correction. CJ McCollum is averaging 26.7 points, not 44 points, AK. Oh, no, no, no. I, I said that was a season high. Oh, season high. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. never mind. Oh, my bad. From anybody would just be. Yeah. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said that was his. Uh, he's oh, averaging yeah, that much. I almost got blown out. But yeah, no, he's averaging 26.7 points per game which is still astounding while filling up the stat sheets with blocks steals assists rebounds and he's averaging 34 minutes per game ak Mm -hmm. this is something you would expect and he's really stepping up to be that all-star caliber player next to damian lillard the support that damian lillard finally needs is there and now that yusuf nurkic is gone their starting center role is now Enes Cantor, so he should see a drastic um, minutes uptick production yeah dr- drastic uh production in minutes and his efficiency should also go up a lot and then you should also see gary gary trent jr and uh Derek jones jr really stepping up their position as well with cj mccollum being gone for four weeks so their usage rates will go up and they're gonna put up more points as well along with damien Lillard himself like ak has just stated he will also put up more points now that dame now that cj mccollum is gone now those were the Eastern Western Conference players of the week for week five. Now sure. let's go to the blockbuster trade that just take that just took place a couple days ago between the Rockets, the Nets, Pacers, and Cavaliers. So to break it down, we're gonna be breaking down what each of these four teams got and how it affects their future and just the overall understanding of what's going on with their teams and etc. So yeah. the Rockets get Victor Oladipo. Rodians Kirks, Dante Exum, four unprotected first round picks, Brooklyn's 2022, 2024, 2026, and Milwaukee's 2022, and four unprotected first round pick swaps, 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. 
The wow. Nets get James Harden. The Pacers get Karis LeVert, 2023 second round pick from Houston. And lastly, the Cavaliers, which I think got the best piece of this trade, get Jarrett Allen and Tarian Prince. I would definitely <sighs> agree with that statement real quick about the Cavs oh, yeah. probably winning that trade. I, what honestly did they give up? They gave up. I can't even I, tell you what they gave up, but I I think they gave up a couple of picks. If I'm being honest with you, yeah, a just couple a, of just picks, a few picks and, and they got a really good backup center in Jarrett Allen, and then just another nice supporting guy in Torian Prince. So, agreed, totally agreed. So let's look at the big portion of this trade. Okay, it, okay. it comes from the Rockets giving up <clears throat> one and only, probably the best scorer in the league, James Harden. Mm-hmm. So. Now let's let's take a look at this team, this Nets team right now. Their starting lineup now consists of Kyrie Irving at the point. Mm-hmm. Shooting guard would be James Harden. And then small forward would be, I believe, Joe Harris. And then you got power forward would be Kevin Durant, obviously. And then for center, you got DeAndre Jordan. So here are some things that pop out to me and that I'm a little bit scared of. So in the future, this team is gonna have huge problems when it comes to interior defense. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, interior defense and their center, DeAndre Jordan, not putting up the points that he needs to and the rebounds that he needs to. Because DeAndre Jordan in the past was a monster when he played for the Clippers alongside Blake Griffin, Matt Barnes, um and none other than chris paul he played very well but the era has kind of changed ak now oh yeah centers are more catered towards shooting three stretching the floor out but mm. the problem with deandre jordan is you can't stretch the floor because he shoots very poorly from the field his free throw percentage is very bad um he just can't he's not an all-around scorer he's yeah. very paint dominant Yes, he can grab rebounds here and there, but I just don't think it's going to work out. And in terms of defense, DeAndre Jordan isn't the best defender as well when it comes to the center position. So they're going to run into some big problems, especially in the East, where it holds some of the better centers. For example, you got Nikola Vucevic, you got Joel Embiid, you got Bam Adebayo. Just to name a few. Yeah, just to name a few. And in the West, you got even bigger problems, such as Anthony Davis, DeAndre, and um nikola Jokic, like I, I just don't think deandre jordan is going to match up well with them mm-hmm. and these pick and roll scenarios that other teams are going to run is just going to rip apart the nets is what i'm thinking oh yeah no lateral defense no interior defense from deandre jordan he's going to get beat by basically any offensive player on the other team and going back to how we were talking about the, the future <coughs> of the nets right you made oh, a quick yeah. point about the future of course just 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 so that the listeners know when do the Nets get another first round pick? When is their next first round pick? It is in 2022, folks. Oh my God. 2022. Okay, so I think what the Nets are focusing on here is they're putting all their chips on the table. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to go all out in these in this year, next year, and maybe the year after that. Um, I think they're going to try getting that championship. They're going to try oh, yeah. going to the playoffs and they're just going to try going all out in the few years that they have left before they have to re-sign one of these big guys to another Supermax or possibly part ways with them. We don't know what the future holds, but all I can say is that the the Nets are going to be fighting for a playoff spot, and they should be. But the problem is, once again, that interior defense and that center position and bench depth, something that we didn't talk about. But, AK, they've given up Karis LeVert, Tarian Prince, Jarrett Allen, these are very important guys who come off the bench, especially with Spencer Dinwiddie 
their uh, you know starting shooting guard or backup point guard uh, now that they've signed James Harden it's gonna be a very big issue because Spencer didn't we prayers up to him as well but he's injured he's gone for the rest of the season and I don't know if they're gonna bring him back next year or how that's gonna work out but this team is in shambles in terms of bench depth and interior defense AK yeah as soon as the that's, Warriors get tired yeah. if you're just relying on the bench the Nets can't do that. They don't have anybody on the bench. So yeah, their second the unit's Nets... gonna get run up by the other team. Yeah, the Nets are just gonna have to allocate the minutes very properly or very strictly in terms of, you know, who do you want on the floor in certain times of the game? Do you do you start with all three starters at the beginning? Do you pull James Harden out during halfway through the first half and then you let him sit a little bit and then you bring him out with DeAndre Jordan in the second half? I, I don't know, AK. Yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna have they're, some work on their hands, yeah. Yeah, they need to work on that, you know, some sort of uh, minutes allocation and how that's going to work out, but it doesn't take away from the fact that interior defense and bench depth is not going to go away. Yeah. But that's how the Nets are going to be affected by this trade with James Harden and the pieces that they've given away. Now let's look at the Rockets, a team with a bright future and Christian Wood as uh, their starting power forward center, who is wonderful. And with the new addition of Victor Oladipo and picks in the future, I think oh, they this got team is a whole load of picks. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this team is going to be very, very... It has a very bright future, especially with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and now Victor Oladipo as well. I recently heard news, AK, that Victor Oladipo, when he was with the Pacers organization, he had told the GM and the staff that he wants out of the Pacers, but I'm just, gonna, I'm just applauding Victor Oladipo for what he did afterwards. Instead of complaining like James Harden did about his teammates not being as good as he wanted them to be or not complaining like or complaining to them about how he's not getting the ball, Victor Oladipo kept those matters only to the coach and the coaching staff of the Pacers. He never told the Pacers team about how he actually feels because he didn't want to ruin their chemistry. I respect that. I respect that so much. Yeah, That's okay. such a gracious act from such a such a great guy in the league right now, Victor yeah, Oladipo. Yeah, Victor Oladipo, man. I, I applaud you, Victor Oladipo. He, he's, this is truly amazing. I've never, I feel so heartwarmed after hearing this because Victor Oladipo really put the team in front of his own personal needs and he got what he wanted. Once the Pacers found that there was this big blockbuster trade going around, they were like, all right, Depot, we're gonna ship you out. This is, we're gonna part ways with you, but hopefully you'll remember us because of the good times that we've had and how you've supported Paul George when he was on the Pacers. You know, they parted ways peacefully, which I just love this. Which Whereas, is completely the opposite of what happened with James Harden and the Rockets. He couldn't yeah, care well, less if the team burns down. He's yeah. just like, get me to that chip right now. Yeah, what happened, AK? Could you explain to me, like, what, what were some things that happened with James Harden and the Rockets? All right, so the entire few weeks leading up to the season were a mess for this guy. He was out partying during a pandemic. He didn't show up to practice. Mans was putting on pounds like he was bulking. Like, I, I'm pretty sure we've all seen the pictures on social media of James Harden and uh, some of the earlier pregames. Bro, I Mans looked like he was wearing a fat suit. I'm not even going to lie. So yeah. he was willing to do whatever it took to prove to the Rockets that if the Rockets choose to keep him, he's not going to play well. He was indirectly forcing a trade out of Houston. 
That's just right? so unsportsmanlike. I just, I just didn't like that at all. I mean, yeah. yeah, I just felt like the James Harden, right? If he stayed on the Rockets, he would be the face of the Rockets, AK. Yeah. He could do whatever he wants. He just got a valuable asset in Christian Wood, some more bench depth than John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. And then for him to do something like this at the very end, it just seems so uncoordinated. If only he were to stay on the Rockets, they would have had so much more potential. It's personally what I felt like. He could have started a dynasty there. But See, I think I think the logic behind why he wanted out so badly. Uh, I remember seeing a video online. Uh, they were talking about how Harden felt like he was reaching the end of his prime soon. So he was like, instead of wasting it and like never getting that chip, I want to be on a star-studded team right now, right now. Get that championship ring. And then the rest is whatever's to come. You know the rest I mean? is history. I mean, rest is, wow. Yeah. That's, so that was his wow. mindset. It makes sense, but I don't know if you'd really go to such an extent to do this. But I mean, it's James Harden. You can do whatever he wants. But that, that's just our take on it and how the Rockets and Nets get affected. Now let's look at the Pacers. The Pacers and Cavaliers got the better part of the trades, I believe so. Because the yeah. Pacers get a young Karis LeVert who prayers up for him as well he noticed that there was i think a small mass of some sort of tumor i believe in his lungs or something along those kidney, lines kidney, and I think. Ki in kidney yeah and he's getting that treated so props up to him hopefully he doesn't have to miss too much time for that but hopefully he makes a quick recovery and we'll see him in a couple of weeks of course but of course. i think the pacers got a really valuable asset in karis levert and getting rid of Victor Oladipo. I feel like everyone is happy now. Victor Oladipo goes to where he wants to. James Harden goes to where he wants to, to that all-star caliber team, starting a new trio there with Kyrie Irving and KD. Mm -hmm. And then the Cavaliers, once again, get Jarrett Allen. The Cavaliers have the best centers in the league. I mean, they oh, have yeah. Jared Allen, Andre Drummond, Thon Maker, JaVale McGee, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr. I like just named create an entire six. starting five out of just big men at this point. Yeah. That's how many they got stockpiled. But AK, you know what I think they're going to go with? I think they're going to shop DeAndre Jordan. Oh, I just said DeAndre Jordan. I meant to say Andre Drummond. I think they're going to shop um, Andre Drummond in this upcoming trade because I know there are teams interested in um, getting Andre Drummond. I don't know what the teams exactly were. I believe it was the Raptors and Celtics. Is there any other teams that I mean, were interested in Drummond? I'm pretty sure those were the two front runners, but I mean, it makes sense. Those two teams are in severe need of just a really solid center. Like, yeah, they're both lacking. DeAndre Andre Jordan is an elite center. Yeah, he why, leads why the rebound. DeAndre leads. Jordan. Oh, DeAndre, Andre Drummond. I don't know what I'm saying, DeAndre Jordan, but Andre Drummond leads. Yeah, Andre Drummond lead, uh, leads the league in rebounds, and he's been doing that for the past two, three years now. So, getting a center like him, yes, you'll have to pay him a good amount of money, but you can rest assured that he will get you those boards and feed oh, yeah. them out to your stars um yeah definitely a great great piece that they've got here and i totally agree with that so that wraps it up for us breaking down the trade between the rockets nets pacers and cavaliers we've told you that the winners we think here in this scenario are the pacers and cavaliers they give up the least amount to get the most mm -hmm. um you can argue with us that the nets were the winners by getting james harden but i still don't believe that they won that trade because of their interior defense and their bench depth which pretty much sums up what we think and the rockets are neutral here they get lots of future picks and victor oladipo and some bench depth and really quickly yeah. going back to the the nets how we were just talking about their lack of interior d and also bench depth sushi do you think it's possible 
th this is just completely random. Do mm -hmm. you think that the Nets would consider shopping Kyrie Irving, right, in order to get either a decent center <clears throat> or to get some more bench up? Do you, do you think that's a possibility? Here's my hot take, okay, okay? Listen, All right. so Kyrie Irving, what type of player is he, okay? Point guard, handles, he, he's, scoring. He's a point guard, but I'm talking about his personality traits. If he gets... If he is unsatisfied, AK, what's the problem with that? He doesn't show up to practices. Oh, and yeah. We've yeah. seen this when he was with LeBron as well. He said that LeBron was a bad mentor and he and LeBron always treated him incorrectly, which I, it, it, I, it's unbelievable. I, I could not think that Lebr LeBron James would do something like that because LeBron James worked with so many all-stars and players like that. I just mm -hmm. feel like wherever Kyrie Irving goes, he wants to be that spotlight. Because remember when he was with the Celtics, AK? Um, he said that he was gonna re-sign with the Celtics. What Cap. happened? He, he 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 signs with the Brooklyn Nets. It, it, this is, it just shows how he's just uncommitted. If he does not feel satisfied of where he's going to, he's not gonna go there. And the thing with other teams don't want Kyrie Irving either, because if they take him and he doesn't play, is it really worth giving up that star player or that bench depth or future picks for someone who's gonna come to your team but not play I feel like for you? this was the exact same thing that was with James Harden. Like, uh, when, he's, when he demanded his trade, he listed a whole bunch of teams out. 76ers, Bucks, Heat. But they weren't willing to give up too much of their future for a guy who, if he ends up not satisfied, he's just not going to play. It's just going to be the whole Houston Rockets situation all over again. So, yeah. in fear of that, they chose not to give up too much for him. So... In the case that if Kyrie Irving gets shopped, it's likely that other teams might be a little, you know, hesitant. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, now let's look at the Eastern and Western Conference standings at this point. Mm -hmm. AK, you want to run down the Eastern Conference, give a brief little description of what's going on with the off-court and the, you know, everything that's going on, the offense and defense, and I'll give my inputs, and then I'll take care of the Western Conference. Of course, let's hop into it. So... Looking at the Eastern Conference, we got the 76ers at 10 and 5 right now uh, on a one game win streak. They're killing it. They're doing what they've basically advertised to do, right? Joel yeah. Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Danny Green now too, and Seth Curry. They're they're putting in work, they're stringing together dubs. They're going to be a force in the playoffs. So, hats off I to totally them. I totally agree. Now that they've signed uh seth curry and now that they have danny green they have those shooters around them to make up for ben simmons offensive you know capabilities because he's not the best shooter but i'm not i'm not here to downplay ben simmons at all i actually think ben simmons is an elite defender and an elite oh, yeah. point guard in the league because of his size if you're on a if you're if, you're, if he's if he's driving you're done he's gonna score just get out the way you know what i mean just where let he him lacks take, in shooting, he makes up for it. In he makes players. up for his tremendous presence in the paint. And he can play the one through five. You're running a pick and roll, he can switch on to your center. No biggie. Your center's not backing up Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is a monster in the paint as well. So that's the, those are like the, you know, the, the, the good things, the advantages of having such a big uh, point guard. And then, you know, you got Joel Embiid and, you know, everything working out perfectly fine. And in the draft, they got Tyrese Maxey, a draft Big steal. steal. He's been playing, Absolutely. He's been playing wonders. And he offers that bench step that they really need. See, the, even the 76ers feel that they got a steal in Maxey because I think one of the deciding factors between Harden either going to the Sixers or to the Nets was because the Sixers weren't willing to part ways with Tyrese Maxey. And also, oh, I think I uh, Matisse Tybel was also 
a part of oh, those conversations. He's clamps. He's clamps. Oh, yeah, he's oh, another defensive, God. just three and D player. But yeah. yeah. So that's that's the Sixers. Alright. Uh we got the Bucks and Celtics following up in the two and three spot, respectively. We got the Pacers at four. Pacers are a great team. I'm actually oh, very excited to see how how this system works with Karis Levert in at shooting guard. Because he's yeah. such a dynamic scorer, which is I mean, Oladipo was great and all, but I don't think he had the same scoring capabilities that yeah. Kyrus Levert did. I agree. I, I just felt like he wasn't he wasn't getting the ball enough. I felt like Victor Oladipo with the presence mm -hmm. of Malcolm Brogdon really stepping up, but with Kyrus Levert though, I feel like since he's a more younger blood, the Pacers are you know can kind of mold him into the player that he exactly. that they need him to be. Whereas exactly. Victor Oladipo has been bounced around the league, he's gone to teams, he's gone to a lot of teams, and he's already got his you know style and gameplay set in stone. Whereas a young guy like Kyrus Levert, you can mold him into the player you want him to be. Which That's is why the Pacers literally won the that perfect trade. way to say it. That's yeah, exactly what I was thinking. And and what's wrong with the Pacers? They're they're always in top four of the Eastern Conference for like the past decade. They're always Sabonis consistently doing good. And Brogdon right now are just killing oh, it. They're, and yeah, don't they're forget when, the show. when Miles Turner comes back. See, we were talking about earlier how DeAndre Jordan is like a center stuck in the past, right? Yeah. Miles Turner is oh, one of these yeah. centers who is what this league is looking for right now. He can yeah. shoot. He can play clamps defense, by the way. He's number oh, one facts. in the league in blocks. Four. And he's averaging 4.2 blocks per game. 4.2 that, that blocks. That shouldn't be possible. That really shouldn't be oh, possible. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. It's it's like we're comparing and contrasting. We were just talking about the next, like AK said, DeAndre Jordan, his offensive capabilities and defensive capabilities then we totally switch the turn in the eastern conference itself in fourth place if the pacers have an eight and six record and they have miles turner and sabonis who can wet the three who can do almost anything they can guard the one through five they can guard point guards they can do everything which is just the total opposites i feel like we're just talking smack on deandre jordan a good bit in this episode <laughs> deandre jordan fans if some exist uh i'm sorry but uh we're just saying what has to be said. Yeah, being. I mean, I'm only speaking facts. Uh, I'm yeah. not lying when I say this. That's what we do on the podcast. We we don't sugarcoat. Yeah. It's the straight yeah. facts. Straight facts. Uh, going back then, to the standings, a quick surprise is in the Toronto Raptors. Who are, <laughs> it's a train wreck. Simply put, they're five and nine right now. Even <laughs> oh, though they have the likes of Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and also Pascal Siakam, who is just not living up to like you know his standards this season yeah no pascal siaka man he <clears throat> he's either he's either hot or he's either cold there's no in between yeah exactly no, that's see i have him on my fantasy team so i have to deal with this roller coaster of stats every here and there so it's tough it's tough but it's unfortunate this team has just not found its rhythm and the crazy thing is, ever this all started when they gave up Marcus All and Serge Ibaka. Nobody really oh, yeah. thought of them as very integral pieces of their system. But now that they're gone, I mean, look at the state of the Raptors right now. Like, yeah, it's in shambles it's right good. now. They're looking for a center position, but they actually found Chris Boucher, and Ooh. a low-key player who's been rising up. And, and he might even take the show for the most improved player of the year award because he's been putting up some crazy stats coming off the bench but 
uh, I've recently heard that Chris Boucher at the age, he started playing basketball at the age of 16, battling with depression and homelessness. And for somehow, for him to make it out of that unfortunate situation and turn it around and really, you know, uh, turn the show around really take his future to the next place and make it to the NBA He's averaging 15.5 points per game 2.4 blocks, which is very good for you know I mean anyone honestly and he's averaging 1.1 assists and 6.6 rebounds while only playing 23 minutes per game only Which is yeah, wow. yeah, only 23 He's been going crazy. It's just unbelievable. I'm surprised that the Raptors haven't put him at the starting center position yet yeah, I don't know what they're doing with still rocking Aaron Baines at the five. I mean, yeah. They, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, real quick, going back to that Chris Boucher 2.4 blocks per game. He's actually blocking with at a higher clip than the likes of Anthony Davis. Okay. Wow. Christian Wood, Jarrett Allen, Andre Drummond, and Joel Embiid. Just to name a few guys. Wow. And this guy wow. plays like half the minutes they do. So yeah, it's unbelievable. It just, it just show. shows how if you put in the work, anything is possible. Uh, even such a guy like Chris Boucher coming out of the woodwork and really stepping up to the role for the backup center and possibly even taking the starting center position mm-hmm. and really averaging big boy stats. And, you know, even though the Raptors are doing, <laughs> even though the Raptors are doing bad this year, I feel like in the, in the coming years, they can really mold Chris Boucher into the player that they need in the starting center position. He can wet the three. He can grab boards you can dish it out he's a little bit of everything which is what you like to see and to top it off in the eastern conference in fifth place is none other than the brooklyn nets with a record of nine and seven sir Sushi, now, can we yeah the western conference let's take we got it to the western conference in first place we have the battle of la both la teams la clippers and los angeles lakers have 11-4 win-loss ratio. Then in third place, you got the Utah Jazz with 10-4. Mm-hmm. You got the Phoenix Suns, which came out of the woodwork because I believe last year they were in last or second to last place. Somewhere the, down there. Somewhere in the there. Western Conference. And then to top it off, to round out that five, you got the Golden State Warriors 8-6 record. So let's break it down, AK. Yeah, yeah. Los Angeles Clippers, they're at the top. Um, and then the Los Angeles Lakers as well, they're at the top. But the Los Angeles Clippers, let's start with them. So they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Pandemic P. Last year, he's Kawhi Leonard... Oh, he's definitely turned around. And this year, they also signed Serge Ibaka from the Raptors, like AK just brought up. And he's a really, really valuable asset. He stretches that floor really well. Serge Ibaka can drain the three, he can grab boards. He's versatile. He can, he can do almost everything. A little bit of everything. Um, once again, they got Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. But during last year in the playoffs, let me just say, Chris Paul was very, very cold. He, Chris Paul. Him and Cole, or, oh my God, Paul George <laughs> was yeah, very yeah. cold. Um, they lost to a young Luka Doncic with no Kristaps Porzingis. They lost a series to them, by the way. Um, Wait, with, without Kristaps. So it was just Luka. Without they Chris, lost it was just Luka. To just Luka. Wow. It's just Luka. And that just shows how good Luka is. Luka is one of the generation right, players from the draft. But that's besides the point. But yeah, LA Clippers, they're, they're holding on the fort. They're doing pretty good. But they're actually Chris, on a five-game win streak at the moment. So oh, wow. they, they got things cooking right now. They're, yeah, and, they're heating up. 
Yeah, and Paul George is playing like Paul George on the Pacers. He's averaging 24 points, one steal per game, five assists, and six boards while playing 34 minutes per game. Now on to the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James, Anthony yes, Davis, and they've signed Marc Gasol, Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder. These are, just to name a, a few guys, a few star guys on other teams. Mm -hmm. And these guys are on the Lakers now. I would like to say the Lakers have a better team than last year, AK. What do you think? Oh yeah, without a doubt. They got much more guys. They got much more guys. They got a lot more guys to compliment, you know, LeBron and AD. So it's not just them running the show. They got guys on the side who kind of ease the load. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, a guy like Marcus Gasol, you'd think can only grab boards, but he is a very good post defender. And AK, do you know why my do you know what my theory is behind signing Marcus Gasol? I think they did it for when last year, when they had JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard uh, on Nikola Jokic, it was not good. It was not pretty. Jokic torch no, Jokic torched that center position. But now that they have Marcus Gasol, who's known for his post defense and his vision around the court, this is exactly someone who they need. Someone who can shoot the ball, someone who's got eyes in the back of his head, who can pass in any which way. He's very good, and he's the Jokic stopper. He's the Joker stopper. He can that, stop Jokic in the paint. That's what needs right now. Yeah, and uh, you know the Lakers just took that decision, and during the offseason they signed and they signed him, and that was great on there. And they got some more bench depth. They got Montrezl Harrell now, and they found a, a stud in Taylor Horton Tucker, who's been playing very good as well for someone who also came out of the woodwork, who wasn't, who didn't get minutes last year, but this year they're slowly starting to incorporate him into that, you know, the eight nine man rotation that they have built in place right now. In third place, we got the Utah Jazz with coronavirus, Mr. Coronavirus, the lockdown defender himself, brought the <laughs> lockdown. Of course. Then we got Spida, Donovan Mitchell. You got Joe Ingles, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They recently signed, or they didn't recently, but last year they signed Jordan Clarkson. They got Mike Conley. Um, this team, wonderful. This team is built to perfection. They have such good players in their starting lineup. All well, all very good, well-rounded players. They got some bench depth. This team has a really good future. The only problem is Okay, is Rudy Gobert a good shooter? Like he's not, no. right? He's only no. he's only a paint type of guy, right? He he struggles from the free throw line too. But I okay. mean where he lacks in shooting, he brings it back in defense and like in the paint. Yeah, he Which makes it up for yeah. Yeah, totally. He makes it up for his defensive presence in the paint and is just the the, he looks like an Eiffel Tower in the paint, guys. It's it, you're not getting around him. He's, See, the he's funny thing, you. the funny thing, you say Eiffel Tower, he's French. Uh, hey, it, it works. That bon appetit. All right, so all right. In fourth place, we got the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, DeAndre, and, and guess who? Mr. Underrated himself, Chris Paul. Future Hall of Famer. You heard it here. Fu oh, he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I mean, yeah, Future Hall of Famer, like you said. He's Chris Paul has been playing so well. No matter what team Chris Paul goes to, whether it's the Thunder or whether it's the Phoenix Suns this year, he's been elevating his team. Last year, when the Thunder were under Chris Paul's lead uh, with Shai Gilgis, Shai Gilgis Alexander, SGA, my boy right there, and then Dennis Schroeder, they were in top seven in the Western Conference. Now they've taken a halt and back to the depths of the Western Conference because they just don't have that veteran player. You would think just because Chris Paul is short, he can't play defense. Well, you're wrong. 
and you're that, thinking just because yeah that's a lie he's clamps literal clamps at the point guard position you think that he's short he's not clutch he hit a game winner over Jokic and he won or <laughs> the Phoenix Suns won against the Nuggets. Uh, Denver Nuggets and Crazy. he's just wonderful and DeAndre in coming off the PEDs he's actually playing this year last year he took performance enhancing drugs just sold the Phoenix Suns future that year but this I year mean, the first the first back. few games he played he, he oh he was a monster he made the most oh, he was of a, it he made the most of it I think he was averaging like 40 fantasy points per game it was unbelievable but this year he's also picking up the pace he hasn't been doing that good but the Western Conference is more competitive, so it makes sense. But true, he's, true. you know, he's picking up the pace. You know, he's definitely putting in better numbers than he did last year because he's actually playing this year. And just to, you know, give an example, last night they played against Houston. He In, in those 36 minutes, he put up 26 points and 17 rebounds, averaging a double-double. Okay, he, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's doing great. He's doing great now. He's turning around, turn around for the better. He's doing good for the team. And then top it off for that number five spot in the Western Conference, we've got the Golden State Warriors, who's got Steph, Chef, Curry. Look at fight. Look at Curry, man. So <laughs> and inspirational. Got, so inspirational. <laughs> and you got Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, who's, an, who's a walking O. He's an absolute oh, yeah. brick from the three-point line. <laughs> Um, oh, I got, I got things got, to say about him. We'll, we'll get oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Then you got James Wiseman, who is wonderful at the center position. Then you got Draymond Green mentoring him at the power forward position. And who is absolute clamps? People oh, yeah. in this league, just or just fans in general, just undermine the ability of Draymond Green. And Draymond Green is very good, guys. Just because he doesn't put up points or he doesn't put up the flashy plays or he isn't clutch doesn't mean that he's not good. <laughs> He is a very good role player, and he is the glue to that team. Can we just um, on on that topic? To start the season, the Warriors had a pretty shaky start. Curry was on and off. He was sparking some games. He was taking L's some other games. But as soon as Draymond came back from his injury, this team just it just clicked. Basically, Curry was literally just running the league as a point guard. He was going crazy. And the team was stringing together a lot of Ws. They're currently actually, as Sushi said, fifth in the Western Conference, right? On a two-game win streak. And yeah, it's kind of like that Chris Paul type thing where like mm -hmm. his, uh, his presence on the court, it doesn't show up in the box score, but it just helps the team out. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he was one of the reasons why the Warriors won that chip. I mean, he locked down anyone i mean he switched up on lebron he clamped up lebron he switched up on kyrie he played kyrie you know he he can work wonders draymond green and he is one of those defensive guys that you'd want on your team and he's that person who doesn't lie he tells you the truth and he wants to improve as a team and in a couple of clips ago i saw him mentoring uh james wiseman in the paint and telling him how he's got to be a little bit more aggressive in the paint because he's young blood, that, you know? uh, against guys like i remember the clip was talking about marcus all he told wiseman you gotta you gotta bully him man you got young blood in you and j just words like that really elevated team ak yeah Whether, you know obviously this is the nba but even in pickup ball when you always got that guy on your team who's always you know positive vibes it really helps the team out and oh yeah it makes th this just shows yeah i mean yeah, it makes sense we were talking about earlier how even lillard was trying to be like hey yo uh blazers gm can we can we just pick this guy up real quick you know what i mean yeah. like yeah he's a guy people want on their team 
Yeah, and it clearly shows. I mean, he's gaining traction from teams in the West and Eastern Conference, which truly shows how you know how important of a role player he is. Even though the fans might not see it, oh, the teams definitely see his impact on the game. Of course. Of and course. let's just talk about one more thing before we wrap it up. The New Orleans Pelicans, you know, they're five and eight in the Western Conference. Though the Western Conference is competitive, they do have Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. AK, what are your thoughts on the Western Conference and the New Orleans Pelicans? I feel like they're still trying to find themselves in a way. Because, like, they got really good. They got Lonzo Ball at point guard, who can dish it around really well. They got uh, Zion. They got B.I. They got Steven Adams now. So they got all these pieces. They're just trying to find a system and, like, a proper game plan that complements both uh, their scoring threats and Zion Williamson and uh, Brandon Ingram. And they're, yeah, they're just trying to figure it out at this point, which is why yeah, they're okay, here. One thing I have totally against what you just said in the Pelicans. Okay, so let's think about it last year, right? They didn't have okay. Eric Bledsoe. They didn't have Steven Adams, okay? So mm-hmm. if you, <clears throat> they wanted to build Zion into like a power forward, a, a player who can play small forward and center, right? Pretty much you can shift between those three positions. Mm-hmm. And then they sign a guy like Steven Adams. And then you got Lonzo Ball, right? Who's the future point guards or future, uh, you know, point guards in the Pelicans, right? Then they mm-hmm. sign a guy like Eric Bledsoe. Like, what are they doing? Like, if they want to really see the untapped potential in Zion Williamson, Brand Ingram, and Lonzo Ball, they should have just stayed away from signing guys like nah, this, right? I actually have a theory about this. Okay, go ahead. It, it might not make complete sense, but no, Zion's young. He's reckless. He has all this hype to build up to, right? I yeah. think, I personally think, the Pelicans are scared that he's going to go out of his way to be overly flashy. You know what I mean? If he's oh, the focal point of their offense, they're okay. scared that he's going to just try to do too much. And either A, he's going to get injured. B, he's going to be completely inefficient. Or C, the other teams, knowing that he's the only guy to score, they're just going to completely game plan against him and just lock him up. Oh, so in see, fear that in his early years, he's going to be a little, you know, hit or miss. They decided, all right, let's get some solid guys who know what they're doing like Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe. And they're like, all right, let's round off the team to make it more of a well-rounded threat so that it's not just game plan against Zion and then we win. You know what I mean? That's my I personal totally opinion. agree. Okay, that, that wraps it up for the Eastern Western Conference standings. Just before we end here, I just want to give a huge shout out to John Morant, Christos Porzingis, and Kemba Walker for making that healthy return back to oh, their teams. Oh, for sure, for sure. They're coming back, you know, Dallas Mavericks, Luka, Doncic, and now they got their power forwards, a center back, mm-hmm. and Kristaps Porzingis, the unicorn. Then the Celtics just got Kemba Walker, which can re- reduce the stretch, the stress that, or the scoring um, stress that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have. And lastly, John Morant, the future of young point guards, young and athletic point guards, is back. And just like to put that out there. And that's that, boys. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, any uh, last words? Hope you guys enjoyed the first ever episode of the Double Double. Please be sure to stay tuned for more exceptional content like what you just heard. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Peace. Peace.